Welcome to the podcast for Westside at Jesus Church. We are a family of missionary disciples in West Portland who believe the church is not a religious subculture, but the making of a new humanity. It's not a building or a weekend activity, but a community of multi-ethnic, multi-generational men and women living out the light, love, and hope of Jesus to the world around us. We hope this episode encourages and empowers you to love, learn, and live the way of Jesus as we pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're really excited. As you guys know, we've been in the midst of a series for this last couple of weeks, a vision series for the fall. Uh, and it's all centered around this idea of being a King Jesus family. What does it mean for us to actually be a family that is united around the person of Jesus. We talked about us centering our lives on him. So what does it mean to, as, as a family to actually say, hey, Jesus, we want you to be central to everything that we say, everything that we do. We see you as being the, the person that is the organizing principle for this family. What you say about who we are matters. We want to learn to follow you in your way. But in addition to that, also submitting to Jesus and saying, hey, Lord, we want what you want. Any time, any place, any cost, we want to follow you. And so in a day and age where the, where the term family has gotten very complicated, it means a lot of different things. We center ourselves on Jesus. We submit ourselves to Jesus. We allow him to be the one that defines what we mean by a King Jesus family. So we, we also said that there's probably three key values that are going to drive this family forward. And last week, Molly and I spent uh, the, day or the morning talking about this nature of presence. And what does it look like to move from a general awareness of who God is to actually becoming attentive to his very presence? To acknowledge the fact that he is here with us. One of the reasons we've moved prayer from the walls to the center is that we believe that the best thing that we can do on a Sunday morning is encounter the living God. Amen? I mean, we can learn a ton of things about God, but until we actually meet with him, we don't change. Which is where we're going today. The, the second value is this value of formation. And what does it mean for us to actually step into becoming like Jesus, becoming a part of this family? And I couldn't think of a better person to come up here and talk about that than Richard Tamburo. So would you guys welcome Richard up here? Thanks. It just struck me now, Tim, like, why am I the... Is it because I've just got so much changing I need to do? Yeah. That landed a little different the second time I heard that today. But there we go. Well, let's pray before we dive in, okay? Jesus, you've got things to show us today. We don't want to be people that like come to church and just go the same way if there's something you want to do. Maybe there's something you want to reveal, something you want to invite us into, a step you have for us today. We want to be people who it's true of us, like we heard what the Spirit was saying to the church. And so just help us lock in on that thing that you want to draw in the foreground for us today. Amen. Okay, so formation. Um, we were actually due today to start a new series called Becoming Like Jesus, but that series is actually a response to how Jesus is leading us, like the things he's calling us as a church into. So we've got to do a couple more weeks in our vision series so we actually go into that series the right way. 
because that's after all, that's what a vision series is for. It's like we pray, God, what do you want to do? And then we let you guys know. This is what I think Jesus wants us to do. So this is preparation for us to continue the journey. And formation being a big piece of the jigsaw shouldn't be a surprise, uh, partly because Tim just said it. So if you're surprised at this point, come on, wake up, people. Get some coffee in you. Um, <laughs> but also, Tim's mentioned it every other week. But it was also in the passage that we launched this series from when we started talking about the King Jesus family. So check this out in Ephesians, in Ephesians 2. It says, In Christ Jesus, the whole building is being joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by a spirit. So, there's three verbs there that, that are in bold. They are all like passive things that God is doing to us. But a really important thing is they're all in the active voice. They're present tense, active, happening now. This is not a passage of scripture that's describing like, hey, Jesus came, died on a cross, so all this stuff is just, is just true. It is true. But it's actually descriptive of because of what Jesus is up to, this stuff is happening in God's church, right here, right now. Jesus is active in the present, doing this work. And it's about being formed into something, being changed. It's about becoming something. So what we need to do is sort of figure out what this is supposed to look like. So I want to start with a bit of a story about my own first sort of encounters as a new Christian with becoming, like the way Jesus was going to actually change my life. And so... Jesus came, found me towards the end of high school. And uh, one of the, the big things in my life that needed dealing with was alcohol. I was just like, drink myself under a table for attention. You know, it was like being the class clown, but with alcohol. Like, really unhealthy relationship. Really, really addicted as well. And so I got to know Jesus, and Jesus was like, hey, dude, like, that's hurting you. That's hurting others. It's got to go. Okay, and I, I remember asking Jesus, like, so where should I draw the line? And he's like, for you, zero. Like, how many drinks can I have? You can't have drinks. So but I, was, I was a real idiot with alcohol. But here's the thing, right? Jesus showed me that and just, just in love with him, passionate to see what he wanted to do, just eager to follow him. I was like, well, yeah. And you know what? It went away like that overnight. You know, I'm, I'm like, hanging out with friends the next time. And they're like, dude, like, what happened? Like, where's, where's Fun Richard going to be? Like, you've got to drink. That's your thing. I was like, no, I'm not even slightly tempted. Not in the least. Like, I couldn't care less about alcohol anymore. God had just done something instantly to change it in me. Now, I said it was a funny story, okay? So now we've got to fast forward a couple of weeks to get to the funny part. So... I'm doing good with the alcohol thing. Jesus has done something. But now Jesus has put his finger on something else. And I can't even remember what it was. Some attitude problem, probably pride related. Would not be surprised. But it hadn't gone away instantly. It hadn't changed. It just felt stuck. <laughs> like, you know, with the last thing, Jesus, I just prayed. It changed overnight. And I was good. Like, what's up with this? So I, I went to meet with the pastor. Went for coffee with the pastor. I was like, dude, like, just explain the situation. Can, can you help me know, like, what am I doing wrong? 
And can you explain what I need to do so this just goes away? Because I really want, like, by next Thursday to get my sins dealt with so I can just get on with, like, serving Jesus. And that's honestly how I thought life would be. Now, it is never a, it's never a nice thing to go meet with a pastor, like in a crowded restaurant, you know, in front of lots of people, and have them just burst out laughing at you. But I think in this case, I think it was justified. I mean, I just was not prepared to hear that there might be more that Jesus wanted to do in my life in terms of forming me than, like, would occupy three weeks. <laughs> right? I, I wasn't prepared to confront something that actually might take longer than one evening to fix. Because my culture had taught me, like, if you do the right thing, you should see results really quickly. I wasn't prepared for a long journey. And that pastor had to, like, talk to me. And, and the thing I realised then over time, because uh, in the moment that was frustrating, but the realisation over time has been God has so much more. He had, like, more power than I thought. He had more freedom to bring than I thought. That, that sense of like release and freedom from something that I experienced, God was like, I got loads of that for you. I just didn't know about it all yet. God had so much more. So what I want us to do is dive into the scripture a little bit and answer that question, like how much more? Like how much becoming does God actually have for us? So let's take a look in 1 John. John describes this journey of becoming. He says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. So there's a like reality, we are God's children. Like if you trust in Jesus, you are one of God's children. But that means we're going to change. And that process, that journey is going to last all the way till seeing Jesus face to face. It's going to take, a, like I said, I wasn't prepared for a long journey. It's a long, it's a lifetime's worth of a journey. But we don't have to wait till seeing Jesus face to face to make progress on this journey. It says, because we have this hope, we purify ourselves, we're refined, like we change, we become, something happens, we filter, and we become like Jesus as we journey towards Jesus. The early church father Irenaeus put it beautifully. He said, our Lord Jesus Christ, who did through his transcendent love become what we are, that he might bring us to be even what he is himself. Paul describes the same thing. So in 2 Corinthians, this, I'm, basically there's so many passages in the Bible about becoming. I got to pick my favourites, which is awesome. Um, 2 Corinthians is one of my favourites. It says this, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I love the way Paul here centers on the Holy Spirit as like the hands-on active one, like involved in this process. But the key phrase is in the middle. It's being transformed into his image. Being transformed, like 
changed, metamorphosized into his image. And image is a key word. It should be like a triggering theological term for us because it goes all the way back to Genesis. We were designed by God with a purpose. We were designed to be image bearers. We were designed to be like God and to reveal what God is like, to show what God is like, to image him. And so this image, if you've read the beginning of Genesis, it got broken. It got marred. It got messed up. Things went askew. But the good news is that Jesus came and he restored the image. He came as a human and put back in the universe the perfect human image bearer, the way humanity was designed to be. The even better news is that now he is at work restoring us to that same image, doing that restorative work in us. And there's a really important point in here, okay? I know there's a bit of a threat that hangs over this journey of becoming sometimes, of like, am I just gonna become some sort of beige, boring Christian human if I really lean in to becoming like Jesus? I mean, that's the sort of thing my friends would have said to me. You know, like, you're not gonna drink? Are you just gonna become like a boring Christian? If anything, I became more weird. Like, didn't eat alcohol, turns out. You can be weird anyway. Um, <laughs> but I, I didn't feel a fear of losing myself once I understood that this is not about losing myself. This is actually about fulfilling who God designed me to be. This journey is about becoming what God made me to be. This is about freedom. It's not about me, me losing something. It's about me gaining something which is, is beautiful. My, my absolute favorite way in the New Testament it talks about this is in 2 Peter. Read this with me. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Since this describes a beautiful transformation from being sort of captured by sinfulness and brokenness and then escaping it and experiencing freedom. But the key phrase, the beautiful phrase in the middle of this is that we might become partakers of the divine nature. That's just a mind-boggling phrase. Okay, that on our journey with Jesus, like someone you know, would look at us and say, you know, well, what kind are you? Like, what nature do you have? Like, what, what, what's true about you? What makes you the kind of you you are? Right? And, and we would actually be partakers of Jesus's own nature. Not, not similar, not like 10%, 15 if you're really lucky, but all the way to someone being able to say, you've got Jesus' nature. That is mind-boggling. That is amazing. That is so exciting. And as I sat opposite that pastor, I was kind of invited into this journey as he shared, like, dude, I've got things in my life right now. Jesus is putting a finger on because he wants to bring more goodness into my life, more beauty into my life. Now, here's the thing. Something can be amazing. It can be really good news. It can be exciting. But it doesn't mean automatically that you're always going to pick it up 
and do something about it. Uh, and there are hundreds of places we could go as to why this matters to us, okay? Why it matters to us right here now. Why is this going to matter to us on like Monday morning, Tuesday evening, with the things we face this week? And so as I prayed, I think there's one thing Jesus really wants to bring in the foreground for us today. And it's found in John 17. So I'm just going to read this. This is this beautiful prayer. Jesus is like having these last moments with his disciples. He's prayed for them. He's prayed for what's about to happen. And now he prays for like future disciples. That's us. This is like, I always get the goosebumps reading this. So Jesus says, my prayer is not for them alone, the disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that we may be one, sorry, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and I've loved them even as you love me. Do you notice the part in the middle there about Jesus giving us what the Father gave Jesus so that we can become like Jesus? It's the same journey that's being described. It's the same journey of becoming. But here's the the important bit I want us to notice is the result. What's the result of that journey? That we might be one with the Father. And, And as one with the Father, as Jesus himself is with the Father. I mean, you want to talk about like intimacy, an invitation to draw close to God. That is astounding. I mean, it, it sort of sounds like heresy. Like a human being can be as close to the Father as Jesus is to the Father, can, can experience that kind of oneness. No, it's not heresy. It's, it's there in John's gospel. Jesus said it. He invites it. He want, Jesus actually wants that. That's part of his design. And so do you ever feel like being close to God is a challenge? Do you ever, do you ever, does anyone ever wish, like I, I just wish, you know, being close, feeling close, experiencing like intimacy with God was a little bit easier, that I had more of it. Anyone? Yeah? I think that's most of us. We all experience seasons where we feel like distant, where it's hard to draw close to God, where it's hard to sort of be aware, be attentive about God. But here's the truth that's in here, is that our journey of becoming like Jesus is connected to the journey of intimacy, of drawing close to Jesus, being close to God. And I I can't help but read this and then wonder whether the times when I'm finding that hard might not be because my my journey of becoming has taken a detour in some way, has got off track, because these two are connected. And the good news is, if you find yourself wondering, like maybe you're someone that's like not past tense, I found that hard, but I'm finding that harder right now, is that Jesus' heart is to want to do something about it. Jesus wants you to be one 
with the Father. He wants to take you on this journey of becoming. Remember the beginning of Ephesians. He's active doing these things. This is his plan. So you're not going to have to twist his arm to do something about this. So how then does it happen? Okay. Well, that's a massive question. Thankfully, in a couple of weeks, we're starting a series called Becoming Like Jesus. So we will keep answering this question for quite a long time, which is going to be really good for us. But I did want to say something this morning, because as I prayed about this, I just had like a hunch in my heart that there's going to be some people listening today that are like, yeah, that journey, that sounds really good. That sounds exciting. I just don't think it's for me. Maybe the enemy's like whispering that in your ear, that, that like you're not invited on the journey. Well, there are three big lies that the enemy will throw your way to derail this journey of formation. First one is that it's optional. After all, our culture says, you do you, right? Or be your authentic self. Like, when was the last time you heard a Portlander say, be transformed into something different, right? Our city doesn't speak that way. That sounds like alien language to us. But here's the issue. You are on a journey of formation now, whether you like it or not. Paul puts it this way in Romans 12. He says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not be conformed to this world. See this world, the city you live in, the people you're with, the things you give your attention to, the things you watch, the things you read, all of those things have a profound influence on you. It's, it's an illusion where we think like we're static and the world is kind of happening around us. There's a whole bunch of interesting psychology you can go talk to a therapist about, about our control issues and security and, and why that happens. But it's really easy to fall into this trap and it's not true. The things we give our attention to, the things we love, they shape the things we value. And the things we value drive the things we desire. And hey presto, the things we desire, that's going to shape the words we speak, the actions we perform, the thoughts we have. Like we are being formed. Like the, our environment is constantly trying to push us into a storyline that tells us who we are in the story. And, and the alternative that God is offering is his story and truth about who we are in the story. So formation is happening against opposition. It's counter-formation. Paul says, don't be world-shaped. Don't become more and more world-shaped. Become more and more Jesus-shaped. You can't be a spectator on this journey. Is there anyone in the room who loves watching sport but is not that good at it? Okay, that's good. There's more honest people in the room than there were for the nine. Good job, you guys. Yeah, you see, you can know a lot through watching. Okay, you can read books, you can watch shows, you can listen to podcasts, you can enjoy watching. Okay, and you can know a lot, but watching doesn't actually train you to play. Watching every game this season will not turn you into a point guard. Okay? It just doesn't happen. I mean, there's, some of us are giggling because we know. Like, we've watched a lot of games and then we've got out on the court and just thought we could do things that we can't do. Because watching is not how you train. It's not how you become. You need to be on this journey, not just exposed to it, not just around it, 
but on this journey of becoming. The second big lie is that you can't change. Okay, John lays down a reality check for us here in 1 John. He says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Sin is just like missing the mark. Sometimes it's intentional, willful rebellion. Sometimes it's like non-conscious, unintentional, just can't do the right thing or don't do the right thing. It doesn't matter. It all goes in this category of like things that are missing the mark, things in our lives where we're like, I know it should be this way. I want it to be this way. I just, it's not. Those kind of senses we have within ourselves, they're the sins. If you confess them, Jesus is going to do something. Not if you confess some of your sins, there's some of them that Jesus may do something about. Confessing is just holding them out, like being real with God, honest, open, vulnerable, like creating that kind of space where God can then enter into relationship around those things in a powerful way. I love this. Everything is on the table. This is a promise that covers absolutely everything. So, so if we've got that feeling like, man, I, this, this anxiety that keeps cropping up is never going to go away. It's a lie. Or like that those intrusive thoughts are always going to be a part of your inner monologue. No, it's a lie. Or, or like, hey, that pain, that trauma means you are never going to be able to have a healthy relationship. No, it's a lie. All of those things are things that are not the way they're supposed to be. And God wants to do something about them. He said so. He promised so. It doesn't mean that they're going to go away instantly. It doesn't mean they're going to change overnight because this journey of formation, sometimes it moves fast, sometimes it moves slow. There's like big steps and small steps. And sometimes they're imperceptibly small. But Jesus is still up to something. He's still working. And so there's hope for these things. There is a redemptive course Jesus has for all of those things that is towards restoration. That's the truth. Can't change. That's a life in the enemy. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Paul acknowledges that it's going to be hard. Check this out in Galatians 4. So Paul's writing to the church about their journey of formation. He says, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I'm perplexed about you. Uh, this is where we get the term formation. It's this beautiful image here of like God active with his hands on us like a potter, like shaping us to be Jesus-shaped. Um, but we've already talked about that. What I want you to notice is the not-so-nice stuff in here. Pain like childbirth and perplexed, confused. <laughs> that's, that's hard stuff. Like that this journey could actually be really hard and grueling and painful like childbirth that it could be confusing at times. You know, so that this is the way it is, but it is the journey Jesus wants to take us on. So in that moment where we're confused and we say, I don't understand, that's probably, if that's stalling us, it's probably because we're asking the wrong question. The right question is, Jesus, do you understand? Because he's the one 
leading the charge. He's the one initiating what to do. He's the one carrying us forward on this journey. As long as he knows what's going on, we're going to be good. If, if we're feeling like, I just, I can't keep doing this. Yeah, you probably can't. That's true. I love the way the enemy lies to us. Like he, he tells us a lie and gets in our head. And then like when we turn around, we're like, no, no, that's right. I, I can't do it. It's just, that's the wrong question. The right question is, Jesus, can you do this? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. Jesus wants to do something about this. It's a lie to say you can't change. And sometimes God is doing such a deep work, we don't even notice what he's up to because he is always at work, always caring for us. George MacDonald, the Scottish author, put it this way, really beautiful quote. He said, to give us the spiritual gift we desire, God may have to begin far back in our spirit, in regions unknown to us, and do much work that we can be aware of only in the results. In the gulf of our unknown being, God works behind our consciousness with his holy influence, with his own presence. He may be approaching our consciousness from behind, coming forward through the regions of our darkness into our light, long before we begin to be aware that he is answering our request. He has answered it. He's visiting his child. This is, this is what God's like. We may stop, we may take detours. Jesus is never gonna stop. He's never gonna give up. He's gonna keep pursuing our formation. The third big lie is that you can change yourself. Now, Paul talks about his experience of change and becoming in Romans chapter seven. So check this out. Paul says, I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that's subject to death? Thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, Paul's describing this sinful nature. Sometimes he uses the word flesh. It's like all of our broken desires and intentions and habits, all of the ways we were kind of broken but learned to operate, all of that programming inside of us is our flesh. And what happens is when Jesus comes into our life, a change occurs because our flesh used to sit on the throne of our life. It used to have power, it used to have authority, it used to be able to call the shots. And Jesus comes along and he kicks it off the throne and he puts himself on the throne. And as we submit to him, the beautiful new relationship with Jesus begins. And the flesh doesn't have power anymore, doesn't have authority anymore. Jesus is on the phone, but what Paul's describing is it's still in the room, like in the room of your soul. If you like, remember that, is it inside out with the little guys running around inside your head? Like one of those would be the flesh. It doesn't get to just go and pull the levers anymore, but you can still listen to it. And it's there in the corner, whinging and whining for attention, and it doesn't like it, because its destiny now in Jesus is to die. That's part of the becoming, is our flesh shrinking away and disappearing, okay? But it does not have power anymore. But even though it doesn't have power, Paul's experience was, I've, I've had this change, but in my daily wrestling 
whether am I going to listen to Jesus on the throne or my flesh in the corner, it can still be hard. It can still be frustrating. This duality, this wrestling I feel within myself, I'm not enough to succeed. And that's Paul's experience, his felt experience. And he says, who's going to rescue me from this? And the good news is it's the same answer for him as it is for you, me, and everyone else, Jesus. Jesus can, and he wants to, and he's there. And he will meet you in every battle, putting to death the old self. So don't try it solo. Don't try and do it yourself. It will not end well. Well, this brings us then to like the positive question of like, well, how? Okay, so my, my flesh is off the throne. Jesus is on the throne. I want to interact with him so that I can be formed, so I can actually experience this transformation and end up actually more like Jesus, actually become. Well, the good news is, this is a massive question, but Molly and Tim, like they, they talked about the key thing last week. So if you didn't catch last week, go catch up, because it's really important and you're not going to want to miss it. It was awesome. But I am going to give you the cliff notes. So, but you've still got to catch up if you missed it. Formation happens in partnership with God in his presence. That's where it happens. It happens in the presence of God. Now you can have Jesus in your life. There's a sense like Molly was explaining this, like Jesus is in the room. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. Like there's no way you can go and be like, oh, Jesus isn't here. Like that's never going to happen. But there's a difference between knowing Jesus is like in your life and knowing he's present, knowing he's around and being attentive to him. Like eyes locked, interacting, that kind of second personal I-you relationship where you're actually catching how he's leading you, what he's trying to show you, what he's telling you, what he wants to do. That kind of presence is where formation happens. It's because God, he has a strategy for you. I can't tell you the amount of times I've wasted energy thinking this is the most important thing or this needs to happen first. And it turned out God knew best and actually it was this other thing that was the first step forward. Like God really understands us better than we understand ourselves. He knows how to lead us on this journey. Um, it, it's not just the presence of God then like initiating. The presence of God is also like the safety within which we can actually experience change. Like, in the presence of God, loving me, showering his grace on me, helping me understand that I am safe, I can actually take bits of shame and fear and pride and hold them out and say, I can actually step away from that. That shame doesn't need to prevent me having this conversation with God. That fear doesn't need to prevent me actually trying something different. Like God actually frees me up by his own presence. Let me give you an example of this, okay? I can have like moments of being attentive to God and aware of him on a Sunday, right? But it's really easy then to go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and not have kept that connection going. I find myself back here the next Sunday on the same square of the journey, not having made any progress. And I can have like these great moments of realization, of agreeing with God, confessing, and setting a new trajectory out that door. 
and God like creating the freedom, speaking truth over me, healing me to make that trajectory possible. But the reality so often is that it might actually be like Tuesday evening when the rubber's gonna meet the road. And this is not a commentary on my last week, but this is a commentary on many, many weeks, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. Where actually, the formational moment is on Tuesday evening when I've got a stinking attitude and I'm stood in silence at the kitchen sink stewing on something. And that's when I need God's presence to create the freedom for me to actually hear and interact with him saying, Richard, that's not what's going on. You need to go say sorry to Anna. And in that moment, to be aware and be honest and be like, but I don't want to. And have God coach me through. Do you remember the film Hitch, where he's like behind the door coaching the guy through how to get the date? Like, well, and, but I, I need that interaction in the safety of God's presence for him to like help me overcome that emotional block, to help me find the words and to stir the faith in me that this is worth trying because God says, it's a, he says it'll work and then, and then do it. And it's those moments, little by little, step by step, through which I am formed. And that brings us back to the King Jesus family. Okay? If we're going to be a Jesus-shaped family, we need a lot of forming. I don't know if you've looked around on a Sunday, we're a weird mishmash group of people. <laughs> like to create a family out of this, like you would think it's impossible apart from Jesus forming us. So we need to be formed. But also, if we're going to be formed, we need a King Jesus family. You see, God has not designed us to do this alone. God provides by the family he situates us in part of what we need for this journey. Like church should be a place where we actually grow. It makes it easier for us to realise God loves me. God's gracious to me. To encounter God's presence. To like get his truth. To have our faith stirred as we see God doing it in other people around us. And become a little bit less scared to have the conversation ourselves. But it's, it's not just about the support. It's also about being on a shared journey. We're a really individualistic culture and... You know, we, we tend to think, yeah, you're talking about my journey, the journey I have to go on, based on like my past, my stuff, my opportunities, my calling, my gifting. Well, all of that's true. There is a uniqueness to you and your journey because God's trying to help you fulfill the design he has for you. But over and over again in the scriptures, God takes groups of people on the journey together. He speaks to groups of people about something in common. That's why we're having a vision series. Because there are things Jesus is saying, hey, this church here, a Jesus church, I want you to focus on this. So we're letting you know because Jesus is calling us to go on a journey together. So there's a meanness to our formation journey, but there's also an usness. So one of my questions to you today is like, are you, are you participating? Are you sharing the path with some other people here? If the only interaction you have on the path is during the two minutes every Sunday, you're missing out. It's not going to be enough. You're not, you're not going to be able to join in with the shared journey Jesus is inviting you into. I, I don't know, do we have any middle or high schoolers? There we go. It was really funny at the nine. They were all in bed. None of them here. <laughs> 
But like, and I, I know some of you guys are because I can see your faces, but some of you, my eyesight's not so good, you're further back. So I'm going to ask you, like, are you here Wednesday night? Are you here at Jesus Youth sharing the path with people who are in a similar part of the journey to you? Or like Tuesday nights, if you're a young adult, are you here on a Tuesday night going deeper in family with people who are experiencing a similar part of pushing back, of not being conformed to this world that you are? These shared paths exist. We, we've got to join up and be a part of them. And not only all this, but family is also, it's the place where we learn. Real quick. Like fa- family is where we train for the rest of life, right? It's, I don't know, like that first time your kids cook dinner can be a messy disaster. But it's where they take one step towards one day being able to like show hospitality to someone. And that's what family life is like. It's a training ground, it's the dojo. It's the safe environment where God can train us and equip us for all the rest of the things. It's where we learn like how to deal with things so that we've actually got like something in us when we face that like moment of conflict at work or that parenting fail moment. And just because it's, you're gonna walk out and see it, so there's a great example, we got this surf fair today, right? When we serve, when we join in a family life by serving, we take that part of us that's selfish and force it to wrestle with becoming other-centered. We put ourselves in a position where like, we actually get to see more of what God's doing in other people and be attentive to it. Like where we actually are, are getting prepared, getting shaped. It, it forces us to move from being a spectator to being in the center of family life. Like it has all of these effects on us. Instead of being conformed by the world, we're being conformed by something different. Man, when I started to serve, like I learned so much about Jesus, so much. I can't tell you. Like just little things, making coffee. Like I didn't stand up and preach. Believe you me, like broken, lot of rough edges, Richard. Practically misanthropic. Like I, Jesus could trust me with a chair though, right? There's a way in. Like don't let the enemy tell you you need to develop into some sort of expert before you can participate in family life. You could show up like the kid who has no idea but you wanna cook dinner. And you know what Jesus will say and you know what a good healthy family will say? It's like, yeah, come do it with me. It's so shaping. I mean, Tim mentioned giving a few weeks ago. I experienced a similar thing. That first time I actually gave money which I had this, you know, a different connection to than I did with my time. I learned so much about belonging. Man, Jesus just like, it was a sense of release and freedom and joy that I'd never experienced before. Like participating in family life. So you're invited today. When you head out those doors, don't just walk out into the beautiful sunshine. It'll still be there. I I know it's fall, but it's gonna be a nice day. Linger, find out. That's like a picture of some of the stuff going on in family life. And then ask Jesus, does he have somewhere that you're actually supposed to be sharing the path with some people? Because this is the kind of church we want to be. We're a Jesus church and we want to be a King Jesus family. And God is calling our church, calling us out and saying, you need to be people that are being intentional about becoming like me. Not in your own power. I'll lead you. I'll show you. I'll do it. But you've got to respond to my invitation. And we don't have it all figured out. Like, like Greg said, we're communities. 
That's why it's called a journey, right? It's not just about a program. It's about us seeing what Jesus is calling us to and saying, yes. And that invitation is, Jesus isn't just inviting our elders. He's not just inviting our staff. He's inviting all of you. So you're invited. Come figure it out with us, which is going to be a beautiful, fun thing to do.